All right, well, let's talk about something because this is a new episode. It's a new episode. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. So not talk about that? No. It makes me mad. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. So what he's doing now, Jeff Koontz, is he's having all these art people recreate giant like giant work masterpieces of art and then he puts a he puts a uh chrome ball like the size of a basketball in front of it and that's the art okay i don't give a fuck <laughs> i hate him i hate i hate the art world i don't give a fuck the dude fucking is making some money yeah while the world burns while people starve and fucking can't feed their children. It's cool. But that's the way it's always been. That's the way it's been for thousands hey, and thousands of years. Hey, point taken. Don't mean I gotta like it. Don't mean I can't <laughs> not hate it. I hate the world. I hate the fucking world. Who's that world. guy? Who, Who's that guy? It's, it's the, I've had enough guy. <laughs> I've, I, I've had enough. Uh, Hey, I've had enough guy. Would you like another delicious bowl of spaghetti? Absolutely not. I, I've had enough. <laughs> okay, no problem. Hey, I've had enough, guy. Would you like? I mean, I'm just asking. Please don't think I'm being, you know, too forward. But can I ask you a question? Yeah. Would you like... A sliver of chewing gum? No, thank you. Why? <laughs> well, I've had enough. I've had enough. <laughs> you gotta do it in a high voice. I've had enough. I've had enough. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. I don't even know. Hey, what's, I can't hey, believe we're turning that I, into a character. Hey, hey <laughs> had enough, guy. Can I? Do you mind if I just hand over to you? I don't know, $250,000 in cash. Can I just hand you this money? No, <laughs> absolutely why? not. Well, why? I'll tell you why. I've had enough. I've, I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh, dude, if we're on the road, that's happening for the next, that's happening. If we're, if we got a four hour drive, that's what we're doing for four hours. That's just how you get Is through I've it. had enough, guy. If you don't... Well, here's how you... Dude, here's how you really get through it these days. Uh, the YouTuber... Or patrons can see this because we're on video, but I'm I'm shoving my phone almost into my face. This is how we get through it now. Everyone's just phoned out, bro. And I'll tell you this. You can tour so much and be on such long drives and be so out of your mind that even your phone's boring. And then you have to talk to each other again just to mix it up. And that's right. how you get through it. That's how you get through it. I mean, we talk about it a lot on the show, but you find these little things that bring you a little sliver of joy. Right. And you just hang on for dear life for as long as you can. Until you've had enough. Until you've had enough. Hey, until you've had enough. I get it. Can I just give you just a platonic, not overly affectionate hug? I I don't think so. Why? I've had enough. I've had it.
Oh my god! I almost passed out. <laughs> I think you. Uh, I think you almost pass out when you do that because you you shoot so much air out in that first burst, and oh you don't, you're not god. getting any oxygen to the old brain. I don't know what happens. Well, <laughs> the pressure to get depressurized. You know, James Cameron's one of the only like four or five people that have been as deep down into the ocean uh, because he like got way into that shit when he was making the abyss right and they get in these little machines where it takes them four hours to go all the way down and then they hang out down there for several hours then it takes that a much amount of time to come up and they have to like decompress and shit hey uh can i ask you a question yeah had enough guy sure hey would you i've got it i've got two tickets to go on this to take a ride on this machine uh, James James Cameron invited me, at, at plus a friend of mine. Uh, do you want to come with me to the bottom of the ocean? It'll take about eight hours to go down and back up. <laughs> I'm gonna have to pass on that, bro. But why? Uh, I'll tell you why. I've had enough. <laughs> I've been deep in the ocean several times, and uh, I'm good. I've had enough. Uh, okay. All right. Just checking, man. The days are crazy, dude. Oh, I'm, I've gotten into basketball. The playoffs are happening right now. I'll tell you, have you watched any basketball? Who's your team? Who's your t- fuck? No, dude, I hate basketball. I found my t- I, well. I've got two teams, which I know isn't fair, but they're both in Texas. The Dallas right, Mavericks. The, Spurs? Is, the Dallas Mavericks is my team. No, fuck San Antonio. They're not in the playoffs. Um, the Dallas Mavericks, who have my boy Luca Doncic, who's basically like kind of a kind of a Jordan. He's kind of a Jordan type. And then the Houston Rockets with uh, James Harden. They're my dudes. The playoffs started yesterday. You got to start watching them so we can talk about it, bro. Hey, enough guy. Do you want to watch uh, Do you want to watch a basketball game after this? Yeah. Oh, you do? I do. haven't had enough of that. <laughs> no, you got to always say no. No. No, I don't. I can do whatever the fuck I, I th- want, bro. Wait. I thought you uh I thought you said you liked basketball. Why don't you want to watch it? I do want to watch it. Oh. I thought you said you didn't want to watch it. No, I do want to watch basketball. Have you ever seen a real life mime like do miming? I don't think I've ever I mean, seen I feel a like real I, mime. I, I feel like <laughs> I've seen Ollie Stack do it <laughs> at least a billion times. I mean, I, I don't think, think I've ever it. like looked over at Ollie where he hasn't been right on the precipice of doing some <laughs> kind of mime routine. He's, a, he's he's yeah, he's always a second away from a mime. Yeah, I didn't think about Oliver, dude. One of the first tours I ever did with you, I'll never forget this. I I didn't quite know about Oliver, and for those of you who don't know, Ollie was the touring sort of utility musician. He's the guy with the goggles and the mechanic suit dancing right. the whole time. One of my favorite parts of your show, but. I didn't really know him. I didn't. No one prepared me for that guy. No one said, "Hey, by the way, this guy's going to be doing this." And I remember we were playing the Fine Line in Minneapolis. No, no one just told me what he does, dude. No, imagine that. Imagine you don't know. Imagine you're just a guy like me. You're just right. stage right. You, you know, I'm used to looking and rocking out with the band and the drummer, but mostly look. You know, I'm used to performing yeah. like like normal. Right. And I'm Everybody's there. just doing their job. Everyone's just working and smiling and ha- maybe doing a little hammy stuff. If it's your turn to do a solo, ham it up. Everyone knows what to do. Okay. I come from right. a very professional tradition of performing music. So anyway, I'm I'm worried about the material because your material is like all the songs I learned for the tour, we didn't play. And then, of course, nothing I learned 
you, you know, I didn't know then at the time that you play a lot of whatever you've been writing, all that stuff. Dude, I spent maybe 45 minutes of the one of those first shows just watching Oliver and laughing on stage. Right. Super unprofessional. Like, I couldn't help it. It was so strange and funny. Because, yeah, he right. he does a... Th- it's the song Honey Pot where I guess he doesn't have much to do until the big ending chorus or or whatever. I've never watched... I have no idea what he does on uh, okay. Honey Pot. Okay, here's, he, here's what he does, like for the first several minutes of Honeypot is he kind of starts back away from his keyboard and then he just does the slow motion robot walk. But it's so <laughs> slow, dude. Like it's yeah, like yeah. theater. <clears throat> right. right. <laughs> and he'll like take his rag out and like wipe his goggle. He does all sorts of funny shit. <laughs> and there's not much for me to do at that top either. I'm kind of just playing that hook lick. Right. So, I was gonna, you know, that I found. I ended up after years of touring with him, found several moments that I always looked forward to, you know, with him. But because he kind of does the same thing every time, right? He's an interesting dude. So it, it, he would have moods, you know. He he would try some new shit, or he'd be in kind of an interesting mood. But he did have sort of familiar go tos for the for the big tunes, you know. Right. But uh, anyway, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be f- familiar with the Ollie Steck. And one of my favorite segments you've ever done that I got to see. The few times I did the well, not few. I played a shitload of Saxon gigs, but Ollie Sex Musical Garage. I always loved. Oh yeah, that. yeah. That's always that was always. I I loved interacting with Ollie in the improv. He's just so fast and he's so fearless, and he'll just go with and whatever premise you and, and he'll he'll commit that, and that's great for you. Whereas I tend to fight that a little bit, which makes it frustrating, I'm sure, for you. But what Ollie's so great at is. Even if even if the bit maybe bugs him a little bit, he commits to it, which I think is really cool. <laughs> Except every once in a while. Every once in a while, he won't play ball. Every once in a while, he'll be like this. Uh, I've had enough. I've had enough. Yeah, totally. uh, I've been watching The Dark Side of the Ring, which is on Hulu. Is that a documentary about your butthole? It's a documentary about the dark side of my butthole. Right, the right. ring around my butt. The one that ne- the part that never sees the sun. Yeah, it's about wrestling. Ah, but it's like seven. It's it's all these stories about wrestling from the seventies and eighties, dude. It's so fucking great. I just want all I want to do now is watch seventies, eighties, nineties wrestling. Here's what I've always wondered about. I I was kind of into wrestling in the nineties, but not really. And I I'm cool that it's it seems like pretty fascinating entertainment. But here's what always f- interested me is like. These storylines and character arcs are planned out. It's fake. They're, it's like a soap opera, which is awesome. But who decides who gets to like win shit? And like, it just seems like the potential for insane nepotism and like political favoring. That's what, exactly what it is. Because if you're an actor, if you're Jake the Snake, and whoever hands down the narrative this year, they're like, well, this year, Jake, uh, you're going to lose to uh, Hulk Hogan. And he's like, well, yeah. I want to win, though. And they're like, well, sorry, you don't get to decide. You're an actor. Yeah. So who decides? Like the world wrestling, like the the chairman of the- Yeah, whoever owns that. So back in the day, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and maybe the 80s, there were all these wrestling com- uh, conferences or federations all over the United States and Canada and all over the world, actually. And they were all kind of like, there was the- you know, the one from Texas, the one from Oklahoma, the one from the Midwest. There was another, you know, like 25 in the Northeast. And there was, they were all separated and they all had their stars. 
And that guy, you know, the guy that owns the WWE Ed, Ed, uh, or Ed whatever? Mc, Ed McMahon? What's that guy's name? Yeah. Ed yeah, McMahon, right? McMahon. Yeah. Well, it's something like that. Fred McMahon, maybe? <laughs> Freddy Krueger McMahon. Well, it's, it's yeah, it's something like that. So he started buying up all those. He just went around and bought up all these federations or conferences or whatever, and then also got all their stars, whoever the biggest star was, and then he just put it all together and then created the WWF or WWE, whatever it was. Right, right. And uh, and then it got huge, 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 huge in the 80s and 90s. Like, it was massive. Yeah, that's when I always kind of dipped in. And, and the big things then were... There Hulk were, there were Well, no, there were two. It was actually a little beyond him. That was the 80s. But in the 90s, there was the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation. Then there was the WCW, World Championship right. Wrestling. And they each right. had... I think Hogan was WCW, and then someone like Stone Cold Steve. No, Austin. he 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 moved over there. So okay, he was he was sort of like he was the big hero in WWF or WWE, and like you know he did WrestleMania and all that stuff. And then they're like, ah, we got to bring in some new blood. And he was like, oh, well, then fuck you, I'll go to WCW. So that's what a lot of people did. As soon if they wouldn't let him win or get the title. They would move over to WCW. I wonder how they make those decisions, though. Uh, you know, I guess they just sort of think about it. Was just whoever the owner was decided. But 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 I'm saying they're they're basing it on like how can we maximize? I guess it was all about like what do the fans want to see? How yeah. can we maximize sales? Like there's a uh, we don't have to talk about this too long, but there's like a theory now that the NBA is is heavily politically invested in. In LA, either the Clippers or the Lakers winning the championship. So they're like, well, the games are rigged. You know, this is conspiracy theorist in everything, but I was watching a game the other night of Dallas, which is my team, against the Clippers, and it was fucked up. Like, it really did seem rigged. And I was like, what? The the referees and stuff were. Well, they threw a star, basically the Scottie Pippen of the Mavericks, the kind of the number two guy. They right. threw him out within five minutes on two weak technical fouls. Like they ejected him from the entire game, which is really, wow. really rare, especially in the playoffs. Hmm. And then like, it was just stuff you hear about. Like they were just beating the shit. The Clippers were beating the shit out of the Mavericks, like hitting them so hard, no fouls. The Mavericks were doing just normal basketball playing and getting foul calls and a guy got thrown out. They're one of their stars. And so I was like, this doesn't seem normal. So I'm like looking it up online. I'm texting some of my friends that are really into basketball. And they're like, yeah. I mean, they're like, of course. They're like, you think the NBA is clean? And this is kind of, as much as I know about the world and how fucked up the world is, it was kind of still sad to, to be like, oh, well, what's the point? It's, it's almost made it not even worth watching if they've already decided. But I guess that's different than wrestling, though, because wrestling's fake anyway. But I wonder if there are campaigns behind the scenes of some of these wrestler stars that are like who are bidding, and as, I'm sure it's a big money thing. You know, what is it the well, actors have to go do for to? Uh, they have to campaign to get Oscars. They have to go to parties right. and kiss ass and probably promise studios that they'll make a picture with them or something. I think the deal is they have to go to the Academy old folks' home and like put a take their catheters out and suck the urine out of their. No, I just I think there's like a lot of uh, a lot of the academy are like living this old. I know this is what I heard. They all live in this old folks home, so you got to go down there and you got to like make the rounds and talk to everybody. Oh, you're being serious? Yeah, and if you don't do that, then chances are you're not going to win. Wow. So 
I mean, unless you're just like one of the, you know, but then you have people like Joaquin Phoenix or whatever who would who doesn't do that kind of thing, and Robert De Niro who famously just never won an Oscar because he never would do anything like that. And then every once in a while they do something so amazing that they still win. But most of the time it's it's a lot of he won an politics. Oscar for The Godfather, Godfather Two. Who De Niro? De, De Niro. But I don't think he didn't he like not pick it up. Oh, maybe. He did something to piss them Brand, off. Well, Brando won for Godfather, and he sent like an Indian chick to accept the Oscar for him because he was really into Native American rights. So he, he had this like Native American chick talk about, you know, the plight of of, of like American Indians during his Oscar <laughs> speech. This is what I typed in. Bobby De Niro Oscar mishap. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my Google search was. I love hearing the flow of people. what people search for. I like that you called him Bobby, and I like that you called it a mishap. He wins Best Supporting Actor in 75. Yeah, that's for Godfather 2. He, he might have won one for Deer Hunter. He won Best Actor for Raging Bull, Best Supporting Actor for Godfather Part 2. Okay, cool. It. So he won Raging Bull, too. Like, the other thing, he just famously never did interviews. Same with Joaquin Phoenix, who just won his first Oscar for The Joker, but he never did the bullshit thing because he should have won for a lot of things he did. But then you got an actor like Leo who does do all the bullshit and didn't win his Oscar until a couple years ago for the Revenant. Dude, I just watched, uh, I watched about half of Inception last night. God damn, that movie's good. Amazing. I always sort of forget the details of it because it's such a complicated movie. And then, yeah, whenever I dip in on it, I'm like, and dude, the thing that Christopher Nolan and his brother wrote that it's such a crazy mind bending thing to pull off what'd you think of interstellar though absolutely adored it i cry i've seen it three times cried at different points even the end i love the what end. the fuck is that what happens at the end at the you mean like he when, gets caught in the bookcase it's well like, what the that's fuck is that, all part, that? that part's a bummer because they basically have they bring the robot to sort of explain the movie because people can't understand it like explain i can't it. understand it explain it to me you've seen it three times i haven't seen it in a while but <laughs> I haven't. I haven't seen it in years. But right. Well, they talk about so when she's when he's telling her that he's got to go when she's a kid. He's on the other side of that bookshelf trying to push the books to like to basically say communicate don't, with her. To basically say don't. Well, he's trying to communicate to himself, dude. He's trying to say don't do it. Don't accept the mission. You're going to lose everything because he ends up losing her. Oh, right, because he, he, he's stuck he, in space for so long. Well, because on that one planet, when they go to check and see if there are any survivors, it's this crazy planet that's really close to a black hole. So every minute they're down there is like... I know, that's the best scene in the movie where he comes back and it's been 23 years and they open up the spaceship and that guy's like, oh, fuck, you guys have been gone for 23 years. He's like, years. oh, yeah, I done went insane, dude. <laughs> he's got like gray hair. He's like, I, just, I didn't know if he would ever come back. Uh, Could you imagine... It's so hard alone on a spaceship for 23 years. And then they show up and to them, it was only a couple hours. But that's what's so tragic is Matthew McConaughey is like, he's really aware of the consequences. And he's like, look, I don't want to fuck around. Let's get down, pick up the little thing that lets us know if there's life here and let's get the fuck out. And because they, the other two kind of dilly dally and they get them stuck for like two or three hours. And he just, he knows. And he, he, he asked her to do the calculations and it was like, yeah, 20 something years. And all he think is thinking about is that in terms of his daughter and just being a dad of a daughter for me, it hit a lot of strange places and really upset me. But I I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen it since I've been a dude. When did it come out? I think it came out in 2015. 
So that's the year my daughter was born. But I, I bet you it's better now. You should it. you should dip into it because it's also visually amazing. I uh, hated the end. What what's the, the, the what's whole, the end? What is the that? whole ending when Matthew McConaughey gets into a ship and then goes and meets fucking what's her ass yeah. and Hathaway on some planet? Like leave that part out. Oh yeah, I didn't like that, that part. So stupid. Yeah, I think it was just so bleak that they had to. I mean, that's classic Hollywood. They're like, we need to do something about the ending, kid. Uh, we need to give them something to, you know, something to smile about. This is, dude. This is all I remember about that movie. I remember him. I remember the scene where they're on the planet and they miss their fucking opportunity and then they go back to the ship and it's been 23 years and that guy's like, motherfucker. And then Matthew McConaughey doing just that crazy scene where he's looking at all the footage of his girl growing up over the years. So brutal. One of the best acting things I've ever seen in my life. And then him being in that fucking weird house of mirrors behind the bookshelf. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then that scene at the end that sucked. And then I remember, like, I guess uh, Jason Bourne's in it for a minute, and then Dude, he's a bad guy. Yeah, and they didn't even add, Matt. Yeah, Matt Damon. He kind of fucks him. He tries to sabotage him because they get back. Basically, what it is is like, hey, the planet's over. The planet's dead. But we sent, and we knew it was coming. We knew that this thing was going to hit the planet. So we sent out these fifteen missions to the only other planets that looked hospitable to life. We only got a ping back from three of them. So the only way to save humanity is you guys got to go visit these three planets to see if 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 they're dead or not. So the first two they go to, not good news. And then I think the third one they found actually had life. But he, I don't know, man. It's a fuck. It's those guys are crazy, man. That they they wrote that just to think that they wrote it and directed it and made it look that good and acted it that well. Well, the other thing about Inception that was so crazy is just there'd never been any CGI like that. Like, nobody had ever seen anything like that in a movie theater. What a ride. I didn't see that in the theater, though. Did you see it in the theater? Uh, yep. Like, when they're sitting there and then the city's, like, folding in on top of them like a square. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. So cool. And it doesn't look cheesy. Like, they kind of pull all that stuff off. Guess who that chick is that he's talking to? Uh, Ellen Page? Yeah. Ellen Page when she was, like, 14. Dude, I just saw Ellen Page in something. Oh, The Umbrella Academy. She's great. The new season of that. Oh, my God. No. Not good. I can't believe how many, like, A-list actors are doing TV again. Have you noticed that all these great actors do TV now? Because the movies are Dude, that Jamie Foxx power... The power thing on Netflix with Jamie Foxx, so bad. There's so much shit. I know. I know. There is. It's true. And you, you think it's, oh, Jamie Foxx, this is going to be great. Terrible. I was never very blown away by Jamie Foxx. He's pretty good. He's fine. Dude, I love him. You should watch the Actors Roundtable where it's him, Tom Hanks, Peanut Butter Falcon guy, Adam Sandler. Okay. So he they're all repping, like he's repping Uncut Gems and- yeah. What's Jamie Foxx representing? Like, what's his thing out that they're talking about? Um, What was he? With doing? Tom Hanks, I'm guessing it's the Mr. Rogers. That Mr. Rogers film. No, I think he horrible. actually produced something that was getting an Oscar. Okay, cool. Dude, that table, I mean, we're talking Tom Hanks, De Niro, maybe Ed Norton was that, but Adam Sandler, like all those people were at that table, and Jamie Foxx was the funniest, smartest, oh, he's, he's coolest motherfucker at that table. He's hilarious, no doubt. He was amazing. 
doing accents and and dude, I'm telling you, he like after that, I was like, this dude is the fucking motherfucking man, dude. I I absolutely love those Hollywood roundtables. I love when they do the actors on actors. You know, they'll. I think you and I have talked about this before, but yeah, it'll be. You know, I think there was like Ed Norton talking to Adam Sandler. You know about each of the movies they had coming out. Some good combos, man, about the craft of of that stuff. I love when they do the directors too, man. There was one year it was like Tarantino because he had the Hateful Eight coming out, and David O. Russell, which I feel like that guy hasn't done anything good in a while. This dude who did Silver Linings Playbook, oh right, which won he the Oscar. Two in a row that were pretty good. That Silver Linings was great. American Hustle was the one. American Hustle that. was not very good. I thought it was awesome, but. It's like real forgotten. Like no one ever talks about it anymore. It didn't win any Oscars. I don't know. That movie was so stupid. I thought it was awesome. I hate movies that are like so like a Scorsese movie. A modern Scorsese movie. Dude, I'm telling you, man, that movie was so overstyled. Like people just don't look the way they look in that movie. It was overstyled for sure. Well, guess what's not overstyled? This goddamn podcast. If you like the podcast, you can support us at Patreon. You know why it's not overstyled? Because we got the Moose Boy? Well, yeah, we got the Moose Boy. He right. He right. Okay. 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 But you know why it's not overstyled? Why? I'm over it. Yeah. Shoehorning it in. Is it I'm over it? I can't even remember. That's how bad the joke is. I'm over it. I've had enough. I've had enough. I've had enough. We have other podcasts. Bob's other podcast is called The Song Club. My other podcast is called Metal Up Podcast. If you like the show, support us on Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash I-O-K. You can get a bunch of secret weekly episodes where we're going to go now. You can see the videos of the episodes, songs that we've written. Here's what you need to do right now, though. If you haven't done this. What's the homework? Leave right now. Don't not do this. Leave a review. And it can be this. I've had enough. (laughs) That could be the review. Leave it and then give us five star. Don't give us anything but five star, you motherfuckers. (laughs) But doesn't matter what you write. But leave us a five-star review, but write something. And if you write something, that will do something magical. That's all you got to do. That's all. Just do it. Yeah. If you haven't done it, do it right now. I Thank, thank you. I agree. And thank, thank I'm you. thanking you now for doing this thing because I know I, I'm, I'm not in the future with you, except my voice is, but I'm not right now in the future with you, but my voice is. So I'm thanking you in the future for doing this right now. But don't dilly-dally. Don't wait till later. Don't wait till the next podcast when I'm fucking harping at you. Just do it now. Do it now. How old are you again? 36. Well, I think, uh, who is it? Fucking Kant? One of those motherfuckers. Emmanuel Kant, yes. I don't know if it's Emmanuel Kant. Who's the dream guy? That's Freud. And and Carl Jung. Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. So Carl Jung says, by the time you're 40, you have to have some sort of spiritual belief system in place otherwise you're not gonna have a good time (laughs) (laughs) for a good time call 1-800-CARL-YOUNG and get yourself that spiritual belief system because otherwise i mean you kind of you have to figure something out dude you can't just be like fuck it all you got to figure something out no I, i i don't i don't i don't feel i mean here's what i got dude i got my kid and my i got my family right and that's all i care about I, I don't, I care about that more than sex. I care about it more than my career. I care about it more than being happy and more than joy. I will give my life to them. And that's where I put all that. It doesn't change what's true, but I'm here. I didn't ask to be born. 
uh, Dylan says that birth is an invasion of privacy, and I agree. Think about that. That's a fucking killer line. Dude. See, well, it's a line that Dylan, who's a notorious liar, said. But I will say this: I don't know if I. I feel like I choose. I chose to be here. I wanted this experience. I wanted to have this unique experience that I'm having. That's what I believe. Yeah. Well, there's no evidence for that, but it's a nice little belief. What do you mean there's no evidence for it? There's no evidence that we existed before we were born. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, but there's evidence that I'm here now. And why wouldn't I want to have this experience? You have, you had no control over any of the circumstances about your birth. No control over your genetics. I don't know that. I don't, I don't know that to be true. It's the default assumption, dude. Unless you can provide that's like evidence. saying I know, but that's like saying, okay, there's a door here. We can't open it. We've never been able to open it. Nobody's ever opened it. But because we've never been able to open it, nobody knows what's on the other side. There's nothing on the other side. Mm, are you sure? Yeah. How How are you sure? Well, because nobody's ever been there and nobody's, nobody knows what's on the other side of the door. Right. But you're just choosing. And one, we can't open but it. But you're just choosing one thing to believe about what's on the other side. There could be anything on the other side or nothing. No, no. I'm believing that there could be anything on the other side of that door. I'm saying, I don't know what's on the other side of the door. Yeah, you're you saying there's nothing on the other you're, side of the door. I'm saying, no, 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 no. You're confusing this. I'm saying we don't know what's on the other side of the door. So That's to, what so I'm to, saying too. No, I don't know what's on the other side of the door. No, you're saying in this analogy, unless you're moving goalposts here, in this analogy, you're saying what's on the other side of the door we're talking about is that you chose this life. Yes. Okay. So you're saying, you know, what's on the other side. No, I'm saying I'm saying that's a possibility. That's one of the endless possibilities of what could be on the other but side. So of the is door. the possibility that there isn't that. So right. you, you have to treat them equally. No, I don't. Well, so Why? Okay, well, that's like saying I have to enjoy every flavor of the ice cream parlor. No. no, I only enjoy the ones I like. No, you have to agree that there is an ice cream parlor first. There is an ice cream parlor, and I like a lot of the flavors, but I don't like some of the flavors. So the ice cream, the ice cream parlor is the ideas of what happens before or after you die. And some of the most popular ones are Muslim, Christianity, Hindu, Buddhism, atheism. Those are some of the popular flavors. I don't like any of those flavors. But you're not talking about when you die. You're talking about before you're born. Yeah, I'm talking about before I'm born. What's the difference between before you're born or after you die? Same thing. It's just not now. It's just not the experience that we're having right this second. Mm -hmm. So it's the absence of this experience, whatever that is. Call it death. Call it before your death, before you're born. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I like the idea that maybe I wanted to have this experience. But the default position. I like that. I I like that. It's it's fine. It's a fine idea. But to actually believe in it, I need more than just it's a nice idea. If you tell me there's an invisible man in your closet that eats macaroni and cheese, it's not up to me to disprove that. Is that possible? I don't there's know. There's no, but there's no invisible man in my closet eating macaroni. But you could say there was if you believed it. And then you, it's like what you're saying is the equivalent of you telling me that, me going, no, there isn't. And you're saying, well, prove no, it. No, because, isn't. because, no, because now if I said there's a macaroni cheese eater on the other side of the curtain after death or before life, then, then I, you could say, well, that's an interesting belief. And I would say, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's just as plausible as Jesus waiting for you. And maybe that's what Jesus does is eat mac and cheese. I don't know. Maybe it's cheesy Jeezy and not Jeezy Christy. <laughs> and the seven crows. I don't know. Well, here's what I do know is that I got to go. Dude, it's been another Bible study. Do me a favor. Hey, will you do me a favor today? Yeah. Watch that Mavericks game tonight because this Luca guy, 
is a whole lot of fun to watch, dude. He's 20 years old, rookie of the year. Dude, I'm, I hate basketball. I'm just saying, I'm maybe watching it. Maybe tonight you won't, though. It's a Dallas team. It's a Texas team. Don't care. <laughs> don't care, dude. I don't like basketball. Well, I'm just saying, it's on at 8 o'clock. Just check it out. Just see if you have fun. Just just see. Believe. <laughs> All right. I'll watch that if you if you believe in the idea that you chose to have this life. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Deal. <laughs> <laughs>